It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You've got Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640. It must be Sunday. Let's talk about our relationships, shall we? You know the big relationship? The one that really matters the most in your life is the relationship you have with yourself. Are you treating yourself with loving kindness? Are you treating your body like the temple that it is? Well, I figured that since it's New Year's and we're dealing with some New Year's resolutions... I'm hoping you haven't broken yours yet. It's only been eight days. And just because you fell off the wagon one day doesn't mean the New Year's resolution is broken. It doesn't mean the whole year you should throw it in, right? But I'm going to talk a lot today about ways that we can really make meaningful change in our lives and ways that we can do it in the tiniest ways where we won't even notice how you can hack your brain and change your life. Um, I'm going to talk about how we can all lose weight if we need to, uh, how we can reduce stress in our life. And the one that everyone wants to know about how to get rich and how to actually, there are a few tips and tricks that I have for you that you won't even notice tiny little things you can do that down the road will turn into big, big paydays for you. Um, were you riding the trains anywhere around LA today? Today? is the annual no-pants subway ride. Did you see anybody with no pants on? You know, Angelinos do it a lot different. In New York, of course, it takes place in the dead of winter, and you see people with parkas and heavy business suits and scarves and hats, and then just some underwear from the waist down. Um, they do it kind of anonymously. People turn out and ride. And it's all meant to have a sense of the absurd during the dark days of the year. It's meant to be playful. It was created by a guy named Charlie Todd, uh, whose improv group is called Improv Everywhere. And I want you to imagine this. It started 15 years ago before the Internet and YouTube was a huge thing. And he started making these videos in public spaces with large groups of people who were told to report to work and do what they were told. Report to volunteer. Volunteer being funny and uplifting people. And it started 15 years ago. People are going through their life in a very routine way, in a very normal way, and all of a sudden there is this thing that makes it now, this like exact moment. It's like, oh, I am very alive now. That's the end goal is that somebody goes home and they're like, you will never believe what I saw on the subway today. That's a clip from the documentary that is on Netflix, and I believe it is called Creating a Scene, and it's the story of how Charlie Todd created improv everywhere to create humor and life during the doldrums of a boring day. Now, of course, Angelinos take the no pants subway ride to a whole new level. We've got a little porn industry here. 
We got some Instagram models who decide to do it in hooker boots and lingerie. You don't have to, okay? I think the best ones are businessmen in full suits and funny-looking boxers carrying a briefcase. But if you saw somebody riding around the trains in L.A. today, and this would have been the first year, not the first year for L.A. It's been going on for a few years in L.A., but the first year riders could get all the way to Santa Monica with the new train. Um, so if you saw someone, now you know what that is. It's to add a little bit of fun, a little bit of levity to a day that otherwise could be automatic, could be boring. In a few minutes when I talk about reducing stress, I'm going to explain why it's so important to stay in the moment and find a little bit of sunshine in every single moment. Hey, the grandfather of psychology, Sigmund Freud, said that humor was one of the best defenses against psychic pain. So... Let us talk a little bit about our New Year's resolutions and the psychology of change. How many stories have you heard? Have you read? Are you sick of it already? It's eight days into the psychology of change. I've been speaking about it. I've been reading about it. There's a lot of research about it. And we're sitting at home going, all right, already. I know. I just have to have willpower. Well, actually, you don't have to have willpower. This is the important thing to know. That research was done where they took two groups of people. And one group, they said, I want you to tell yourself all day long, you know, I will exercise, I will exercise, I will exercise, I will exercise, I can do this, I can do this. And the other group, they told to create mental puzzles. Hmm, what can I do today that will make it easier for me to exercise? What can I do today to move something out of the way to give me time to exercise? The interesting thing is, those that asked questions of their brain rather than tried that grit the teeth, bite the bullet, strong willpower, those that asked the questions did better. Now, overall, it was found that both groups got great unhappiness when they were presented with a plethora of temptations. Too many temptations are the things that obviously make you fall off the wagon. So the game is about asking yourself questions about temptations. What are the things that are making you eat things that you shouldn't for your body? What are the things that are stopping you from exercise? What happens when 5 o'clock rolls around and you want that glass of wine? What can you do in its place? On Wednesday, I was on the Gary and Shannon show, and I mentioned um, that a few years ago, I met this psychologist in the green room at CNN. And he, he... Mentions, I said, you know, we always say, what, what seg- segment are you doing? You know, and he said, oh, I'm doing a segment on a program I run that's a moderate drinking management program. And I sat up, you know, because I love my red wine. I mean, it's been a food group to me for a very long time. Goes with dinner very well. And I noticed that it became a habit, not just a delicious pleasure once in a while. It became a habit. But I wasn't, I would never have categorize myself as a quote-unquote alcoholic. I knew I didn't need a 12-step program. I wasn't medicating feelings. Uh, I just wanted to have some days off or stop at one drink sometimes instead of two, three maybe sometimes. And uh, so um, I went to his parts of his program. It's called Alternatives, I think, in Beverly Hills. Um, I'm not, like, promoting it. I'm not their spokesperson, but I was just curious. And one of the things he said is that when people try to do moderate drinking, meaning taking days off. They don't plan a schedule for the week. 
So that's the first thing he taught me is to look at my social schedule, my eating schedule, my drinking schedule for the week and plan. Like, okay, I'm going to drink Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just like we do with signing up for our workout classes, right? These are the days I'm going to do that. Then you have to give yourself a positive reward. You have to like, I would pour myself a, um, another go-to drink that you like. And I experimented with a whole bunch of non-alcoholic drinks. At the end of the day, I came up with this weird one. It's a non-alcoholic beer. I know already. On ice, I serve it on ice, and I squeeze in a whole bunch of limes because I think my body was craving the acid from the wine. And so on my dark nights or my light nights, depending on how you want to look at it, that's my go-to drink. So there are ways for us to change our habits, but we have to understand that a cue comes first. You could call that cue a temptation. Then there is the behavior, and then it's followed by a reward. So in order to create success, we have to create new cues, new behaviors, and new rewards. And I want you to think about it as a Rubik's Cube for your brain, not a character flaw. If you are having trouble staying on a diet or exercising, it's not a moral question here. It's not about willpower. It never was about willpower. It's about creating the environment where you can get your brain to solve puzzles. All right, we're going to talk about how to lose weight, how to reduce stress, and how to get rich during the next 45 minutes. And when we come back, I have a tip for losing weight to hack your metabolism that you will be amazed. It worked for me. I just lost 12 pounds. I didn't even try. I didn't even notice that I was hungry. I wasn't hungry. When I come back, this is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel, you got the news for us. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Well, she on KFI AM 640. You know, I talk about the science of relationships, the science of love, but the most important relationship you will ever have in your life is the relationship you have with yourself, the relationship you have with the critical voices that dance around our heads sometimes, the relationship that you have with your body. I mean, your body is a temple, and we can't expect other people to deeply love us unless we show them the way. Unless we show them that we can take care of ourselves first. So last, uh, gosh, I guess it's almost a year ago now, uh, I had an emergency room visit that shocked the heck out of me because I've always been very healthy. I've always eaten well. Um, I have exercised like crazy. In my 20s, I used to run triathlons and teach aerobics. I was always that hard body fitness girl. But, you know, things happen. We have kids. Things loosen up a bit. We get uh, busy with our careers and that treadmill we all get on of life, paying for mortgages and cars and education. And so one Saturday when I, I did some gardening during the day and I sat down in my chair, poured myself an iced coffee and a piece of homemade banana bread. And I sit down and within five minutes, I get this massive pain in my chest. And I'm like, uh, what? So, you know, I think it's like the mother of all gas pains. So, of course, I go into a bunch of contortions. I roll around on the floor. I sit up straighter. I push on my stomach. I do all kinds of things. Well, it lasts almost an hour. So being like a stupid chick, I say to myself, if I'm going to end up in an emergency room tonight, I better have clean hair. (laughs) So I take a shower. Ladies, please do not do this, okay? Um, I take a shower. I wash my hair and, you know... 
Um, now it's like a full hour, full hour definitely since the pain. So I call a girlfriend because she's got one of my kids with her, and I say, hey, where are you now? And she goes, oh, we're heading over to the Fox Hills Mall, uh, or whatever it's called now, Westfield Mall. And uh, I said, you know, I really think uh, I've got this chest pain, and I shouldn't make a long story short. We get into the hospital. There's emergency CAT scans. And let me tell you, when you walk in as a person of a certain age with chest pain, they don't mess around. They just hook you up to machines and... I, I was so terrified the things coming out of the doctor's mouth because I'm like Googling them at the same time. And I'm like, no, no. And they ordered tear. No, what is that? And I'm freaking out in the cat skin. Anyway, come to find out I have the mother of all gallstones. First, first ever symptom lodged in some weird place in my intestine on its way to the pancreas to kill me. Well, at least that's what my internal medicine. No, what is it? What do they call when you're like a. A poop doctor, gastroenteritis, right, gastroenterologist said, look at me in the eyes. She said, I'm very serious. This could kill you. You must have this surgery. I'm like, oh, my God, terrible. So anyway, after it all gets taken care of and I have the emergency surgery, then I go as a detective to try to figure out what the heck could have caused this. My primary care physician takes me, sends me to this nutritionist. And when I tell the nutritionist this happened, she said, well, I'm looking at your blood work and I see you have high cholesterol. I go, how is this possible? I eat a plant-based diet. I barely eat. You know, they say you shouldn't have protein that's bigger than a deck of cards and only once a day. And you hear people say, you know, you don't need as much protein as you think you do, right? And she's like, wow, sure sounds like the clock stopped for you in nutrition back in the 1980s. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. So she said, the story now is about sugar, that cancer loves sugar, heart disease loves sugar, obesity, diabetes, all linked to high sugar intake. And I'm like, I don't eat that much sugar. Of course, she points to my glass of wine and says, well, you know, a glass of wine is basically a cup of sugar. I'm like, oh. Then she starts telling me that all the white food, rice, pasta, bread, is also sugar, turns into sugar in our body. This weekend, um, I'm reading a great book that my boyfriend gave me called Sapiens. And it's basically the entire history of the human species done in very simplistic um Great, great telling of it all. And around the 1700s was when the English discovered a field of sugarcane in the Caribbean. And the author attributes this finding of this field of sugarcane to two things. One, the tragic evolution of the slave trade. And two, the increase in major health problems in our species. Before that... The average Englishman had zero, zero sugar in their diet in the course of a year. Maybe a little honey or some fruit-based things, some real, real ripe berries to make a pie because there was no sugar. But within 100 years and the terrible atrocities of the slave trade and the sugar being sent around the world, the average Englishman was eating, or woman, 18 pounds of sugar a year, 18 pounds a year. And my boyfriend was shocked by this number. He was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And I said, Google how much sugar the average American eats today. You want to guess what that answer is? Stephanie, do you want to guess what that answer is? If in 1700, the average person in England was eating 18 pounds of sugar a year, what do you think the average American today? Mm, 1800? (laughs) That would be crazy. Uh, 150 pounds. 150 pounds of sugar. A few months ago on my show, I talked about a New York Times article 
that said that in the 19, late 1960s, the sugar industry got together and literally paid off three Harvard scientists and asked them to point the light, shine the light on saturated fat as the culprit in heart disease and shine the light away from sugar. One of those scientists, they're all dead now, went on to become the head of nutrition for the Department of Agriculture. They have since been piling sugar into every single food we consume. I mean, everything has sugar. I want to tell you that the easiest way in the world to lose weight without you even realizing it is not to count calories, not to count grams of fat, not to count portion size, not to count how long you're on the treadmill, but to count something else. And I'm going to tell you how to do it and how to do it pain-free. I mean it. As soon as we come back. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Laird Perel has the news. Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640, continuing my conversation on how to have a better relationship with you and how to find that new you. Uh, in the next hour, uh, we have an amazing author who's going to teach us how to set our voices free, how to find your voice and be heard. But right now I'm talking about sugar. You heard the bad news that the average American is consuming 150 pounds of sugar a year and it's mostly hidden in stuff that you don't even realize it in fact your taste buds are so accustomed to sugar that you can't even taste the food anymore you're only tasting the sugar here's how the body works what are fat cells right fat is stored energy it's stored energy for another day when you might uh, reach a very hard time and it's hard to find food right um, hundreds of thousands of years ago it was very important to survival but now, because we're eating so much sugar, our body's running on glycogen. It's running on sugar. It's not running. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On fat cells. It's not using fat cells when it needs it. It's because it knows it's going to get another. You get a sugar high. You get a sugar low. You grab more sugar, get another sugar high, and it goes down again, right? And then you crave it again. It's so addictive. I often say with kids, it's their very first drug. And you've seen a three-year-old cry for a cookie. You know, it's like they're crying for heroin. They need it. So the first way to lose weight is to hack your metabolism so it doesn't even realize that it's being deprived of anything and starts eating the fat instead of riding on the sugar. I won't lie to you. There are a few days of cravings and low energy, but I'm going to tell you what I did to fend off those feelings. All right, what you want to do first is get rid of all visible sugar. That means if you use sugar on anything, and yes, that includes honey. Yes, that includes fake sweeteners because they trick your body into thinking it's sugar. Trust me, 
Just get rid of anything that you put on that sugar. Second thing, get rid of hidden sugars. So instead of counting calories, instead of counting uh, fat, I want you only be to, to be looking at carbohydrate on your labels. And my registered dietitian told me twenty, not more than 25 grams per meal. And wait till you see. That's like 12 crackers, <laughs> six crackers. It goes fast if you start eating the starch and you start eating sugar. But if you're eating healthy carbohydrates, fruits and vegetables, you can fit in a whole lot more food. Secondly, okay, so you want, you're going to get rid of visible sugar. You're going to get rid of hidden sugar. And you're going to get rid of the white stuff. The white stuff. Yep. Bread. Pasta. Rice. Tortillas. We do this experiment in my, I teach psychology of health counseling at California State University Channel Islands. And some of my students told me that, one student told me that her dad counted and he was eating 40 to 50 tortillas a week. And he got down to 10 after they went on my Dr. Wendy program. Uh, but here's the important thing. This isn't about just taking away. It's about replacing. You have to stay full and satiated with good saturated fats. I know what you're saying. Saturated fats are bad for you. Let me tell you, I started eating bacon and eggs for the first time in my life and lost 12 pounds. All right, that's all I will say. Uh, good fats, avocado oil, coconut oil, um, olive oil. That's what you should be cooking with and lots of it. And if you're hungry, eat more fat. I'm not joking. If you're hungry, eat more fat. But just get rid of the sugar and carbohydrate and eat more protein. That's another thing. I was a typical woman not eating much. And listen, if you're vegetarian or vegan, this can still be done. Hummus, baby. Hummus like crazy. (laughs) Tofu like crazy. But you want to like make sure you're getting protein every three hours to keep you satiated. And it doesn't have to be a 16-ounce steak. It can be an egg, some hummus. It can be some cottage cheese. I started eating cottage cheese for the first time in my life. Whole milk cottage cheese, by the way. I was looking at this registered dietitian. Are you a nut? I never bought whole fat or anything. She's like, whole milk yogurt. You might have to go to Whole Foods to find the Siggies. That's 4%. But don't do 0%. Don't do 2%. I'm like, what? Okay. 12 pounds fell off and my cholesterol went down because I got rid of sugar. So keep calm and quit sugar. And you will be amazed that you will never be hungry. Yes, there will be a week or so of low energy as your body is switching. You're literally switching your energy system and teaching your body how to live off fat cells only. Just saying that out there. Okay, enough. Enough with the diet. I'm not a diet doctor. It just happened to me, and I feel like this is information that everybody should use. All right, let's talk about the other things we want to do this New Year's to have a great relationship with ourselves. We want to reduce stress, and we want to get rich. We all want to get rich, you know? I think uh, you don't have to take a vow of poverty to be a good person. You can be an even better person if you're financially secure. You can help more people if you're financially secure. You can give more money away if you're financially secure. (laughs) But I think it's really important that we allow the world to support us and our desires. And in order to do that, there are some tiny little changes you can make, again, that you might not even notice that you're doing that can have you having a lot of money later. But first, let's talk about reducing stress. So stress is killing us as much as sugar is killing us. There is nothing more damaging to our health, in my opinion, than chronic stress. You know, your bodies are amazing machines. Our bodies were meant to react to a threat, 
like a lion chasing us, then instantly put a surge of stress hormones in our body that allows us to have super strength to run from the lion, to climb the tree. And immediately afterwards, then we want to go into recovery and take a nap and go to sleep because the lion has moved on and all is well in the world again. But today, we sit quietly at computer screens and get fake lions on our screens. We literally get stressed about the balance in our bank account. We get stressed about all kinds of things, what's going on at work with our kids. But our body's sitting. We're not even running it off to get rid of those stress hormones. And then when we feel tired and want a recovery, we go make a cup of coffee and another one and another one. And this is what creates chronic stress and chronic inflammation. So how are we going to change? We're going to do it by becoming more mindful. I discovered an app. I've, I've been meditating on and off for a lot of years, but more often off than on. And I found this amazing app called Headspace. Uh, I'm going to try to get the founder of Headspace, Andy, with the lovely British accent, uh, some week here. Um, but it it is an app that is a no-brainer, <laughs> literally. Makes your brain do nothing. Guided meditations. It has special meditations for commuters, for people afraid of airplane travel, for people who have trouble getting to sleep. But learning how to do nothing with your brain gives it a big break and lets it recover and lets your body recover. And you can start with just 10 minutes a day in some quiet space. And meditation is not about stopping all your thoughts, by the way. It's about watching your thoughts. You might be amazed at how many negative thoughts come into your head too, but giving them respect and then just coming back to the breath. Uh, the other thing you want to do is start getting a good night's sleep. You know, the average adult is supposed to sleep seven to eight hours a night. When is the last time you got seven to eight hours a night every night? Well, I will say this is one area that I excel in. I have always been the queen of sleep. I love to sleep. I'm a natural morning person, so I'm nodding off. In fact, this weekend I had a movie to watch, and I said, can I watch the movie before dinner? Because I never even make it through the movie if I watch it after dinner, <laughs> put on the DVD. Um, but there are lots of ways to get yourself to sleep if you have trouble getting to sleep. First and foremost, do it at a set time every night. Changing your schedule all over the place, it, it messes with your circadian rhythms. Secondly, don't do other things in bed, except have wonderful sex. That will help you go to sleep, of course. But don't do work in bed. Don't have computers and screens in bed. Don't watch TV in bed, because then you're training your body to associate the bed with activity rather than sleep. Go to the bed when it's time to sleep at a regular time. If you are having trouble sleeping, try a glass of warm milk, old-fashioned stuff, or a little evening primrose oil, a little calcium magnesium. These are things that naturally can calm us down and find some way to meditate, to help yourself to get a good night's sleep. The last thing, uh, actually I have a few more things I want to talk about reducing stress, but I know you want me to talk about how to get rich. So just let me close by saying sometimes you have to purge some toxic relationships to feel healthier and whole and free in your head and have the head space that you need. So you might want to evaluate some of your relationships and say, is that worth all the stress that it's giving me. All right, when we come back, let's talk about how to get rich in 2017. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perrell has the news. Dr. Wendy 
Walsh here on KFI AM 640. You know, I used to think that wishing to be rich or wishing to have abundance or wishing to make a lot of money was somehow a bad thing. You know, I was raised Irish Catholic and we were all, I don't know, we thought, you know, supposed to take some kind of vow of poverty and somehow you were a bad person. We had one kind of richy aunt cousin who lived in Boston and she used to come and make big donations to the church. And she used to jokingly say, well, I'm just trying to buy my way into heaven. And I would be shocked as a child thinking you can't buy your way into heaven. And then I thought, well, wait a sec. The more money you have, the more if you are a good person and you do have good morals, the more you can make the world a better place because money is nothing but energy. Money changes people's lives and we pass the energy along by what we purchase and what we support. So if you love to, for instance, I have a small pension fund now and don't laugh. It's run by a socially conscious investment firm and I make money with it. I will tell you that. I know these finance guys are listening and they're chuckling. But let me tell you this. When the big recession happened and the bottom fell out of the market, my gal called me a few months before that happened and said, I'm pulling you out of the market. I'm like, what? Why? She goes, I just know what's going on with these subprime loans. Let's get out. So I lost zero because of my consciousness, right? My socially conscious. (laughs) So what that means is I know that my money is changing the world while it's growing and waiting for me to retire. It's not that big. Trust me, it's got to grow for a very long time. But um, so I tell her I don't want to invest, for instance, in tobacco. My dad died of lung cancer. I don't want to invest in gambling. I think it's addictive. I don't want to invest in porn. I think it ultimately hurts women in the culture at large. So I make this whole laundry list of things I don't want my energetic money to grow. But then I talk about other things. I want to invest in companies that have childcare on premises for female or male workers. I want to invest in companies that allow employees to have stock options. I want to invest in companies that have a small green footprint, perhaps. I want to, so she has this computer algorithm and my money's doing good in the world. So maybe like you, my New Year's resolution was to try to put more money into that pension plan this year. Last couple of years, I haven't. Every time I say the word money, I know Josh is going to hit that button, right? (laughs) The more I hear that sound. But when I hear a cash register, I think of losing money and spending money instead of making money. But I want to make money. So I've been reading a lot about ways that people save money, make money, etc. And there are a few small lifestyle changes that we all should practice a little bit. Now, take a deep breath and swallow hard when you hear the first one. Basically, start hanging out with richer people. Sorry, but who you socialize with is who you are and who you become. And I know I have always, again, um, sort of disliked or had judgment against people who I called social climbers. Because I was always like, oh, they're just being friends with them. And I love the fact that I have such a wide socioeconomic uh, social world, which I do. And I'm still proud of that. And it's wonderful. We're all human. But. If one of your New Year's resolutions is to be rich, you want to be doing what your friends are doing. And if you're hanging out with people who are a little bit more successful than you, they're going to get you in on the deals that are coming up. They're going to give you the stock tips. They're going to tell you what you can do to save money on your tax return. I mean, look at our next president, Donald Trump, very proudly says that he didn't pay much tax, but he followed the law. Well, how did he learn all those laws? His friends told him. So, um... 
that all you have to do is, in fact, Andrew Carnegie, uh, who started with nothing and became one of the richest men in the country, uh, once said that all you have to do is hang out with other rich people. Okay, second, put your money to work. That means whatever little bit of money you have should be earning more money. You know, back in the early 90s, um, I was part of a small women's investment group at one of the firms. And it, it was just we pulled together a bunch of money. And, and what I discovered as I was interviewing my girlfriends is that women in particular, financial intelligence or financial education is passed down traditionally through male lines in families. And I found I was in my 20s at the time or early 30s, and I had so many friends who had savings accounts of more than $20,000 each savings accounts where they're basically losing money because it's not even keeping up with inflation, but they knew nothing about how to put their money to work. So we put together a wig, a women's investment group, a wig, and we would meet for coffee once a month and we would prevent, present stocks. And we all learned a little bit about investing through that. And we did it for a few years and it was a lot of fun. Um, here's another tip. Um, get your money out of that savings account. It is possible to have too much savings, okay? You've got to find, invest it, even if it's only in a high-rate money market or a CD. Get it out of a traditional savings account. Also, get used to doing uncomfortable things. If you want to build wealth, if you want to be successful, if you want to get ahead in life, you have to do it with uncertainty, and you have to be able to tolerate that. So you might not know this, but wealthy people find comfort in uncertainty. The middle class want to always be comfortable. They're trying to reduce, um, they're trying to reduce the unknowing. But in order to actually make your money go, grow, you gotta take tiny risks. I was talking to a friend recently that I wanted this year maybe to buy a fixer upper house, put some money into it and try to flip it. I've never done that in my life, but hey, I know how to call a tile guy. I know how to paint. I know how to, you know, do some cosmetic stuff. I, I have a good eye. I made enough of my own places pretty. Maybe I could do it. But to do that, I got to plunk down some money, right? And I got to live in it while I'm going through the mess. Can I live uncomfortably? I think I can. Um, the other thing that we hear about a lot is this whole pay yourself first. I'm going to stop and do just a tiny bit of math for you. Let's say that you make $50,000 a year and you work a full-time job 40 hours a week. That means you work a little over 2,000 hours a year. That means that you're worth about $25 an hour. Okay, if you make about 50 grand, you're worth about $25 an hour. Can you imagine if every day of your life you simply put $25 in the bank? You paid yourself for an hour of work. You paid yourself for an hour of being you. Here's the math. That comes out to $500 a month. It comes out to $6,000 a year. If you invested it, at 10%. In uh, 10 years, you come out with about 116000 But if you're lucky enough to be hearing me right now and you're in your 20s or your 30s and you put that $25 a day, are you listening, Stephanie? She's smiling at me. If you put $25 a day away at 10% in 30 years, when you're my age, you're going to have $1.2 million. You're starting to sound like my mom. Exactly. $1.2 million. Okay, all of a sudden, I'm a financial planner to everybody. Hey, I'm just telling you how to have a good relationship with yourself. And Stephanie's busy wrapping me up. When we come back, I'm going to tell you how to find your voice and make it even more beautiful than it is. 
You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show here on KFI AM 640. You've got Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640. Radio is such an interesting medium because you're hearing me and inside your mind, you've got a picture. And I probably do not match that picture, by the way, but... Uh, through the voice, I'm able to convey to you what I'm thinking and even what I'm feeling. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And I want to talk about our voices a little bit because when I talk about psychology, I often say you've got to find your voice. You've got to be able to express your emotional side. Before I get into it and introduce my guest, I have a guest here in the studio. It's so exciting. Um... I want to say that I am in a little competition with my 24-year-old nephew, okay? He's an EDM music DJ, and he thinks he invented Instagram. What? These millennials invested this? Invented this? Uh, so um, I'm. please follow me online because i got to beat that little twerp. Uh, just follow me on Instagram at Dr. Wendy Walsh. Just write the letters D-R, Wendy, like Peter Pan, <laughs> Walsh, W-A-L-S-H. It's the same handle for Twitter, Facebook. You don't have a sound for Facebook, Josh? No. Uh, just his beautiful face looking at me through the window. Uh, Instagram, even Snapchat. I'm really moving into the next century here. Uh, just throwing that out there because I've got a little wager on. I'm going to have to, he's going to have to make me a sandwich. That's what it is. Um, all right. Before I introduce my next guest, I want to talk a little bit about our voices. I have, happen to have a very keen sense of hearing. When I was a child, my parents were always amazed because they thought I could read minds. But the truth is, I was picking up whispers. And when I would be in bed at night, I would hear them talk about the day and what kid needs to be disciplined or what this needs to happen. And I would hear it all through the walls. I had very, very, very sensitive hearing. On the downside, once I became a teenager, rock concerts were the most painful experience for me. I was shoving Kleenex in my ears and I would have a headache by the end of it. And I didn't realize that this wasn't normal, um, that most people can go to rock concerts and not come out with pain. So I have a good perception when it comes to sound. Doesn't mean I'm musically inclined. I will just say that. Although my next guest may say that everybody can sing. I wouldn't, you don't want me to sing. I'll just say that. Um, but as a psychologist, I can hear feelings in people's voices. And sometimes it's just the tiniest change in pitch. Um, I have a best friend that when she's a little uncertain of something in life, I will hear her voice rise just a little, just get a little extra little girlish. My boyfriend often says to me, how come you always know my feelings? I'm like, because I can feel it in your voice. Um, I, I have seen people literally change the way they talk depending on who they are talking to which is good and bad because we want to mirror each other to find a connection. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, if you are a strong, big, brash, aggressive kind of person that you need to talk that way. Even when you're talking to your child's kindergarten teacher, 
<laughs> Why do kindergarten teachers always have the best voices? They always have this soft, sweet, lovely voice, don't they? Uh, the good ones, anyway. Um, so I want to tell you a little story that many, many years ago, when I was a, I was going to say young model, but I was actually an old model, the way that industry is gauged. I was well into my 20s, near the end of my modeling career, if you will, uh, past one university degree, not sure where I was going in the world, and somehow got on a junket with a bunch, I'm not joking, a bunch of bathing suit models. Yes, Hawaiian Tropic. I was not one of them, but I was with a friend of theirs. And, and I went on the trip because I wanted so badly to go to Israel, and it was a trip to Israel. And we get to Jerusalem, which for me was the highlight of my trip. And we're walking towards the old temple and the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall, depending on what you want to call it. And the first thing I'm handed is a headscarf to cover up and be modest as I go to the wall. And when you get to this wall, if, I don't know if you've been there, it's the coolest thing. In, beside, in between every little brick are jammed up tiny little pieces of paper with people's wishes, their wants. You go there to pray. You go there to put your little want and... And I wasn't prepared. I didn't even know about this. I wasn't very informed. Okay, I just knew it was supposed to be the temple that Jesus reportedly um, preached at. And I thought, well, it's a part of history. I definitely want to go check that out. So there I am with a borrowed headscarf and reach into my purse and find like literally like the top of a matchbook or something. And I'm like, I have a second because it's going to be my chance. There's crowds and got to get to the front. And like, what do I scribble? What do I scribble? I didn't know. So I literally wrote the words. God, please give me a voice. That's all I wrote. I know where it came from. And I think it was partly because I was judged on my looks so much. No one could hear me. No one could hear me speaking. It was all about looks and beauty. And it was like my mind was trapped in there and no one could see it. By the way, there's a study I read once that makes me feel better about this, where they had uh, women, attractive, very attractive women, and then average looking women go into a bar and talk to men at the bar and have a conversation with them. And then a few minutes, and then they would leave, have a drink, leave. And then a few minutes later, a researcher would come up with a clipboard and say, we noticed you were talking to this woman. Uh, what did you talk about? We're just doing a, a study on what people talk about in bars, a small talk. And consistently, the men could not remember what the hot woman had said. So I learned that men are so visually wired and intent on reproduction at certain ages and stages of their life, that it wasn't their fault that they couldn't hear me. But of course, when you're the 20-something girl in the middle of all that, feeling like nobody can hear me, I guess that's why I put that. So then jump ahead, I won't say how many years, but there are decades involved. And here I am at KFI AM 640. I wasn't planning to have a radio career. I was studying psychology. I was in the TV news business. I was doing everything else. So when this book that just came out landed on my desk over Christmas, I took it home like I was opening up a box of chocolates. I was so excited for this book because the book was called Set Your Voice Free. And now the author is going to laugh at me when I say this. I felt like it was a message from the Wailing Wall. <laughs> I would like to introduce... The author, Roger Love. It also meant something, Roger, that your name is Love, and I do a show about love. It was like all coming together. I'd like to say I got your message, but I'll, <laughs> I'll just say I'll just say that, that having listened to you in the past and now, you've come full circle. Because not only are you beautiful, Aww. 
but you have a beautiful voice. So well, somebody got that somebody message. Somebody got that message. Even if it wasn't me. Let me tell our listeners who you are. Roger Love is one of the world's leading authorities on voice. I'm like afraid to talk around him thinking he must be judging me. Um, he has vocally produced more than 100 million CDs worldwide, written two popular books, created the best-selling audio program Vocal Power. Um, you have worked with so many stars did you teach Reese Witherspoon how to sing for Sing? N- not yeah. for sing, sing, but for oh. the movie Walk the Line. Oh. It was my job to teach Reese Witherspoon and also Joaquin Phoenix, who hoped they could sing when they were growing up, but neither of them actually grew up thinking that they were oh singers. God. I would be terrified. And so it came into my lap, and I had the wonderful opportunity of turning both of them into singers, and then she went on to win the best Best Actress Award for a singing role for Walk the Line. Super fun. And here she hadn't really sung professionally ever in her life. No, when she grew up, she was singing in the choir sometimes, but it was all, everything up here, I'm an angel in the south. <laughs> and she wasn't, that. that's not the sound that she needed for Walk the Line, which was a lot lower and more chesty and husky voice. So his new book is called Set Your Voice Free, and it is a book for everybody, not for singers necessarily, but anybody who wants to understand the mechanics, shall we say, and the emotions behind voice. Is that how you would describe it? I would. I would say that we're all born with a voice. But when I came home from the hospital, I couldn't find the manual anywhere. And so I didn't know how to use it. So I knew that probably there was a difference between me saying, ah, and asking for milk or me saying, ah. Or saying, I want to go to the bathroom, but there was no, there was no manual. So I literally, over the years, decided that somebody should write that manual that says we have a voice, but we really don't know what we can, the limits of where it can go, both singing and speaking. And you believe almost everybody can sing? Yes. Oh. Less than 2% of the population is actually tone deaf. And when you're at a birthday party and someone is singing happy birthday and they're off pitch, they're singing happy birthday to you. And you're like, whoa, don't give that person cake. They're not tone deaf because they're singing out of tune. If you were actually tone deaf, when you heard anyone sing, happy birthday would sound like this. Happy birthday to you. So you'd hear no pitch. So most people just don't have any kind of technique to take the instrument that they were born with and make the most out of it, singing or speaking. Okay. When we come back, will you uh, give me some technique? Of course. Little quick lesson? I'd love to. Ah, I'm afraid. All right, this is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. Remember to follow me online, Dr. Wendy Walsh. KFI AM 640, Larry Perel has the news. You've got Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640. I am with author Roger Love. I love the name Love. You must uh, have no problem getting on people's shows if you show up with love. I'm his, grateful for that name. <laughs> his book is called Set Your Voice Free. Roger, I give people relationship advice all day long. And probably the most impactful piece of advice that I give out is simply change your tone. It's fascinating that the closer we become to somebody, the more intimacy we have. The more we love them, the more we, we reserve our hostility for them. Something happens between that courtship phase where their voice is like, sure, honey, what do you need? Love you anytime to, do I have to take out the trash, right? Everything changes. And when two people speak, there's a feedback loop. 
that somebody is setting a tone that the other will match. Do you agree with me that humans match each other when they talk to each other? Absolutely. We're walking down the street. We see someone that we do not know coming towards us. They say, howdy, and you instinctively come back, howdy, and you may not be from Texas, and you may never have said howdy before, (laughs) but you wanted to connect with that person because that's how we create relationships. That's how we continue the species. It's our way of saying it's safe. And then when we get in these long-term relationships, if we have had perhaps uh, less than beautiful childhoods, maybe even traumatic events in our early life, we have negativity in our head that we haven't worked through. And as soon as we get into this intimate relationship, we become that angry child again. We become that disgruntled older brother or sister. We uh, forget that our lover is a prize that we have created and we have chosen. And the other bit of advice I'll just throw out there is I tell people, hold your partner in high self-esteem and then they will they will earn it. I mean, life is is what you believe. It really is. So let's talk a little bit about how you think all of us can learn to set our voice free. Your book is filled with actual exercises, right? So what would you do with my voice? <laughs> well, first, I would like to just share that I believe, and science proves this to be true, that there is no difference between singing and speaking. And when you listen to singers, they move you emotionally. They're singing a, a sad song and you don't and you're remembering the first time that you had your heart broken or they're singing a happy song, a dance song, and you're suddenly up on the table dancing. So singers have no problem making millions of their fans feel emotions. And so I've learned by working with singers for 20 years before I even started working with speakers, realizing that I could teach speakers, anyone who communicates, everyone who opens their mouth and sound comes out, that they could make music with their voice, that there's melody that goes up and down just like a song, that there's volume changes, that sometimes you should be loud and sometimes you should be soft. And there's pacing changes where sometimes you should be speaking really fast. But sometimes when you're speaking really fast, you're trying to sell a car to someone who doesn't want to buy that car. So once you realize that there's no difference between singing and speaking, you realize that every time you open your mouth to speak, you could move people emotionally by the sounds that are coming out. The, the book is called Set Your Voice. Oh, did my mic go off? Am I here? Oh, maybe my... My headset went off for a second because I think my chair fit. Anyway, the book is called Set Your Voice Free, and the author is Roger Love. So, Roger, I don't sing, and I don't really know how to sing. I think of myself as singing flat. (laughs) I thought that was like a blood type but once upon a time, that it was kind of cool to sing flat, but I realize it's not. So what would you do with me? Well, first of all, let me say that you have beautiful melody. Most people are monotone when they speak, so as if they were just one note on a bad piano. So they have this one note, and they stay on this one note. I'm really happy. I'm really sad. Sometimes when I get bored with this one note, I may really get excited and go to to another note, and then I'll come right back to this safe note. And you, you're all the way up and down the scale, like a piano that has more than 88 keys. You have 90 keys. You're a Bosendorfer piano. You have more than the normally. Roger, I knew I'd love you. You could stay around as long as you like. Listen, I want to say one thing, though. You know, there, there isn't a long tradition of women in radio. I mean, there have been a few along the way, and it tends to be a man's world. So I've always had this perception that I speak too high, mm-hmm. that somehow that people are just accustomed to hearing a big, strong talk radio guy who's got these ideas, right? Like a, 
a handle or uh, John and Ken in the afternoon. And I come on here and I've got my little lilt and I'm up and down and I'm like, I wonder what that sounds like to people in their cars. What it sounds like is that you're happy. When you're happy, the voice goes higher. It doesn't go lower. When you're sad, the voice is down here. I lost my puppy. But when you're happy, the voice is up here. So <laughs> so your voice goes beautifully with your message. Relationships, be grateful for them. Be loving and receive love. Your voice is happy. Sometimes, though, here's one little thing that you do. You sometimes go down to what we call a squeaky hinge. And at the end of, of a beautiful melody that you're speaking, you'll get to this and you'll kind of go into here. <gasps> And that is the sound of the vocal cords vibrating without any air. That's a Kardashian vibrato. <laughs> <laughs> and that sound, it maybe that's your your mind saying, well, maybe if I go down to here, I'll be a little more masculine. But you don't need to. You can go down low and still have air come out and be thick and strong when you feel like it. Okay, put me through a quick exercise. Okay, say. That people could do at home. Say, I can if I want. I can if I want. Say, my neighbor is nice. My neighbor. <laughs> My neighbor is nice. And go really high. My, My neighbor. Na- na- so, so see, now, do this for me. Say, wee. Wee. You see how high that is? Yeah. Now say, wee again. Wee. Now say, nay. Nay. So say, My neighbor. My neighbor. So you avoid all of that high stuff, and I want to add that to your singing and your speaking, and it'll make it even more beautiful. Fascinating. Okay, everybody at home, my ne, no, my ne, my neighbor is nice. Thank goodness you said that, Roger, or people would be turning off their radios everywhere. The book is called Set Your Voice Free. The author is Roger Love. He is filled with love. And I think whether you want to sing or talk, whether you're a lawyer who has to present in court, a teacher who needs to get the attention of your class, uh, a radio talk show host, or a mom who just wants her kids to pay attention, this is the book for you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Roger Love. Okay, when we come back, I've got a few tips for how you can jumpstart your relationship in the new year. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Larry Perel with the beautiful voice. Do you have the news? Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. This is Dr. Wendy Walsh on KFI AM 640. I was practicing those vocal <laughs> tricks. I'm a really bad singer, aren't I? <laughs> How can I be afraid of those high notes, Stephanie? I really wish I would have Snapchatted all of that. No! <laughs> that would be terrible. Uh, you know, the thing about our voices is that, well, for me, is that I just don't think about it. If I think about it, then it gets weird, right? Because I start to try to create something that's not there. 
But I do say, when it comes to our voices psychologically, it is really important that we all find a way to express our feelings. I noticed that this season there tends to be a bunch of movies out about men learning to express their feelings. Men expressing their feelings in behavior instead of words. Um, I saw Fences with Denzel Washington. Great movie the other night. But here is this strong, proud character, this big personality. I think it's set in the 50s. Uh, a man, head of a household and struggling, struggling with racism, struggling with being on the cusp of poverty and managing to keep it together with family dynamics struggling to overcome childhood trauma that you eventually learn about. And the way he tries so hard to express his feelings or pretend that the feelings aren't there. Um, what's the other one I saw? Oh, God, I'm going to think about it in a minute. Oh, gosh. Well, of course, it'll come to me when I'm not thinking about it. Uh, but the guy whose brother dies and he has to adopt the teenage son. Anything ringing a bell yet, Stephanie? No. You could tweet me, you guys, if your brain is better than mine, at Dr. Wendy Welsh. Anyway, also this theme of guys having trouble expressing their feelings. You know, often we spend an inordinate amount of time protecting ourselves from being vulnerable. And all the things we do to protect ourselves actually hurt a whole lot more than just being vulnerable. And vulnerability is the power position in relationships. Being able to be the one to say, I feel this instead of you are that gives you an upper edge in some ways because you are authentic. You know, I endured, <laughs> endured, went through in a positive way years and years of psychoanalytic therapy as a client. And I thought therapy would make me happy. And what I learned is therapy doesn't make you happy. It makes you real. And when you're real and when you like yourself, it's really okay to say, I messed up, I'm sorry, or, hey, I'm really good at this. I'm proud of myself. When is the last time you told yourself that you were proud of yourself? I mean, really, authentically. When did you, you know, stop the critical voices in your head? Sadly, there are so many parents who, well-meaning parents, who in trying to do good for their children, try to shape their behavior through criticism. So the developing mind hears, don't do that, and you're a bad boy or you're a bad girl, and stop doing that, stop, don't, no, that's not right. That's what our parents say to us. Right? And those voices linger in our heads. And there they sit, this self-critical voice. Can you imagine how your life would be different if you woke up in the morning and you said, wow, this is a great day. I'm going to do amazing things today. Some people do that, you know. Did you know that when you learn to love yourself first, and that means being able to comfortably express difficult emotions with your voice, with words, not in a defensive way. But when you truly love yourself, other people come towards you. Other people get attracted to that. 
There's nothing sexier, and even if it's not for a romantic relationship, there's nothing more attractive than self-confidence. But where does it start? It starts with you inside your head, quelling those critical voices, and then it starts with learning to express your needs. You know, nobody, nobody is responsible for your happiness. It is nobody's job to make you happy. But it's your job to make yourself happy. And that is not selfish. I'm not talking about fake happiness. If I just have the right car or I just get in with the right crowd or I just, you know, buy the right clothes or if I get uh, thin or I get plastic surgery. No, no, no. Those are false ways to be happy. Truly loving yourself is being able to say, you know what? I'm all right. I got a couple flaws here and there. I'm working on them. But I basically like myself. I'm not out in the world to hurt anybody. I want to help people more than hurt. I'm a more positive person than not. I'm a glass half full person. Those are the people who are super attractive to others. That's why I began this show talking about the most important relationship we need to have. And that is the relationship with ourself. And once you get to that place where you can have some self-confidence, understand that you have flaws and foibles and you're working on them, that's okay. But that's when you're able to work on your relationships with others. I often say you have to set your own table first before you can invite somebody to join you at your table. And that means working through the stuff that's yours and then working through the conflicts that show up in relationships. As I said last week, for those of you who might have been listening about my little Dr. Wendy lecture on attachment theory, um, we tend to, in our adult romantic relationships, always go back to the scene of the crime. If we had an abandoning father, we love those long-distance relationships. If we had a mother who was critical, we love those women who are, I can't say the B word on the radio, can I, Stephanie? Nope. Wish we had another word for it. I don't really love the word anyway, but it really does inform. Um, and if you are somebody who had a big black hole where love should be, then it's like you're treading water trying to figure out how to be loving and how to be lovable. Because whatever happens in the first few years of life become our blueprint for love. And then we go out and unconsciously seek partners who will play that game with us, who will play that role. And the same old conflicts come up over and over again. As I often said to women, because I have written a number of books for single women, and I say, if you're dating the same guy over and over, he just is wearing a different shirt, driving a different car, then it's about you now. It's about you and your choices. And this isn't to blame. Okay, I'm not being critical. I'm not being judgmental. But this should be an awakening for you. This should be a time of awareness so that you can give yourself the love you deserve instead of giving yourself pain in the form of a relationship. So there has been research done on happy couples. Like, who are these mysterious happy couples? And how do they stay together a long time? Especially in this time of so much romantic opportunity because of technology that a new partner is but a mouse click, a thumb swipe away whenever you have a fight with your current partner. Um, so when we come back, I am going to give you five habits of happy couples 
And you can hack your relationship by just doing these five things. If you promise me you'll do these five things, I promise you, you will grow back into love again. And if not, then I will have you in the studio and we will do a couple session on the radio. <laughs> uh, when we come back, remember to follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. My handle is always at Dr. Wendy Walsh, just D-R Wendy Walsh, W-A-L-S-H. And you're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. Don't go away. Larry Perel has the news. We've got Dr. Wendy Walsh here on KFI AM 640. Uh, this is my last segment today. Uh, next week, I will be here, uh, but maybe pre-tape, because I'm going to Iceland. I'm so excited. I'm going to be caving in blue caves and uh, going in the blue lagoon. Google that. You'll see. Picture me in the blue lagoon. Uh, I'm very excited. And I think we leave Saturday. So, but I will still be here in heart, in soul, and in voice, because Stephanie will will make something, some magic happen. The magic of radio is what will make happen. Uh, let's talk about how to hack your relationship before I get out of here today. Um, there are ways, small things that you can do that can dramatically change your romantic relationship. And these are habits of happy couples, people who do it all the time. So the first one is make the tiny moments count. It's not about date night, which is often forced happiness or forced love, in my opinion. It's about taking everyday opportunities to connect with your partner or do just small things. It might mean, you know, grabbing the newspaper and handing it to him so he doesn't have to get up and get it. It might mean making her a little cup of tea because you know she's already sat down. It might mean simply touching your partner. When do you ever do non-sexual touch anymore? If you are a touchy-feely person and are that kind of couple that know how to get that dopamine going, then that's great. But if you're not, then make the effort. Hold hands. There was this research done at airports once. You know, psychology students apparently have nothing to do with their time except hang around airports. <laughs> and all they did is recorded how much people touched at the airport. And what they found out, whether they're arriving, whether they're separating, is that couples that touched the most hadn't been together very long. That the longer they were together, the least they touched. I think we need to get back to that. So make everyday small moments count more than big romantic gestures. If you're looking for a big romantic gesture, then you're looking for evidence that you're in love when the evidence is right inside your head. So number two, build each other up. You are what you think. The brain does not know the difference between imagination and reality. And if you believe, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice after the voice coach was here. If you believe that your partner is great, that your partner has potential, that your partner loves you. If you believe that your partner is wonderful, magically, your partner will be wonderful for two reasons. One is because you believe it. So there you go. People who believe they're in a happy, healthy relationship are in happy, healthy relationships because they believe it. And the second is because there's a feedback loop and your partner behaves. You know, I always say, speak to the highest part of somebody's personality. If you are 
I don't care if you're talking to a cashier in a store, a waiter, a mechanic, somebody you've just had a fender bender with in traffic. If you immediately speak to the highest part of their personality, that's what they'll give you. And it can be done in our intimate relationships as well. All right. The third thing goes hand in hand with this. I mentioned it when we had Roger Love here. Um, Improve your tone. It's amazing how sloppy, lazy, angry, not friendly we get with the people we love the most. It's like we save the most sadistic, I can't say the word, sadistic part of our personalities for those we love the most. So it is a feedback loop. If you speak highly of someone, if you speak highly to someone, if you give someone respect, they will treat you respectfully. It is a feedback loop. I see on the news over and over again when these terrible events happen and it erupts in violence. And I'm not talking about a terrorist attack or something like that. I'm talking about two people engaging in some kind of conflict or argument that then escalates. When it escalates, it happens when they don't see the other person as somebody who can help them, but instead somebody who can hurt them. But any human can be an ally. Any human can be respected and can be taught to give you respect back. I really, really believe that. So the fourth thing, I'm going to be doing it next week. I want you guys to do it in 2017. Try something exciting together. Some thrill, some adventure. Get out of your comfort zone. Did you know even the planning of a fun trip, and I don't care if the trip is to Bakersfield, planning of the trip increases your feelings of well-being and happiness. But do something you've never done before. Maybe this is the year you're going to go to that music festival you've always wanted to go to. Maybe this is the year that you're going to take this boat trip. We had a family over for dinner over the holidays. My daughter had a college friend home, and he brought his family who were visiting. And they said, oh, well, we we went to the San Blas Islands. I'm like, what are the San Blas Islands? What is that? And they said, well, these untouched islands with native people on them, but they're just warm and friendly and loving. And we just got, I'm like, how do you find out about trips like that? Or how do you ever afford a trip like that? I go online. This particular trip was very affordable because it's just local catamaran owners who rented out to a family for a week with a captain and a cook. And they don't stay in hotels. They just literally go to islands where there are native people who are warm and welcoming. I'm like, wow. I mean, just figure it out. Whatever it is. I'm going ice caving in Iceland next week. I can't believe I'm doing that. I I am packing my long underwear. Trust me. Uh, Please follow me on social media all next week, especially Instagram. My handle is Dr. Wendy Walsh because I will be posting anytime I find Wi-Fi um, to do that thrill. It's exciting to do something different together. And finally, stop waiting for someone else to love you. Fall in love with you. That may mean doing some relationship house cleaning and getting rid of a relationship that's painful. Why are you rewarding yourself with pain? It's time to stop. This is the time, this is the year, to fall in love with you. Do you know how love finds you? It does not find you when you're looking for love. Love finds you when you start giving away love with wild abandon, 
when you find opportunities to be loving and compassionate and kind to everybody around you, love seeks you out. Love finds you because you become love. Your self-confidence, your self-love is the most attractive thing about you. And if you're in a relationship that's bringing you more pain than happiness and love, it might be time to do some house cleaning. Stop waiting for someone else to love you. It's time for you to love you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. Thank you so much for being with me during the last two hours. I will see you next week and every other Sunday, as well as on Wednesdays from 1 to 2 on the Gary and Shannon Show. Thanks for being here. Mo Kelly is next. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.